0: Hey there, hi there, ho there, all you kids out there in podcast land. Welcome to the latest edition of Sports Frenzy 2.0. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane, flying solo this week. The holidays and our concert season is kicking in. So the conquistador and I are trying to work our schedules around the podcast as best we can. But this week, Doesn't work out for Dave. So it's me and me alone. Live with it. Love it. Dig it. You know it's going to be fun because now I'm unfiltered for pretty much an hour and a half here, kids. I don't have Dave to keep me in check. So we will keep the format. As same as we have here over the last couple months since football season kicked in. First segment, I will talk exclusively about the NFL. Second segment will be exclusively about NCAA football. And then the third segment now with NASCAR wrapped up and baseball just getting into hot stove territory. We'll cover everything else in the third segment. But first off, football, 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 the NFL, including college football this past weekend, and we're taping here on the 16th of November. This will hit on the 18th. Again, a little earlier than normal. Usually we tape midweek, Wednesday nights. Concert schedule necessitates a day early. What a weird week. And I think this past weekend in football pretty much summed up, encapsulated everything that is pretty much wrong with this football season. There has been some right and a lot of wrong. The NFL especially was this past weekend was just abysmal. Anybody who plays fantasy football knows what I'm talking about. Anybody who makes football picks, and I'm not condoning betting. I never would condone betting. I think it's a waste of time. I think it's a waste of money. But anybody who does, you know what I'm talking about. Left is right. Up is down. You can't figure out what's going on with the pros or the college ranks. You just can't. And again, this past week was a perfect example of that. Looking back at some of the games, especially some of the ones that we picked, the Patriots, okay, I picked the Patriots to beat the Browns. Yay for me. But did I think they were going to blow the doors off the Browns? No. Absolutely. 45 to seven. New England destroys Cleveland. Now, this puts into doubt Baker Mayfield's future. Of course, they didn't have Nick Chubb because he had uh, issues with COVID. They didn't have Kareem Hunt. He's on the IR. But this kid, Darnus Johnson, has been able to step in for those two and carry the load, at least in terms of the running back position and even catching the ball out of the backfield. And he did again in this game against the Patriots. The problem is they don't have any weapons, and it's not because OBJ is gone. They don't have – the Austin Hooper signing was awful – Waste of money at tight end. If they're not going to use a tight end, why spend all that money on a guy like that? Jarvis Landry is a number two or three receiver at best. Peoples Jones just trying to start getting his feet under him and emerging. And Baker Mayfield is not a great quarterback. I'm sorry, he just isn't. And Cleveland at least was smart enough to not re-sign him to a long-term extension because now I figure they've got to let him go into his final year on his rookie deal and just play it out. You cannot re-sign him based on what you've seen this year. On the flip side, Bill Belichick looking again like a genius, sat patiently, waited for Mac Jones to fall into his lap. And I'm not saying Mac Jones would have been a great quarterback in any system on any team. But he's the perfect fit for Bill Belichick. You go from Nick Saban to Bill Belichick, that's got to be an easier transition than it would be for almost any other quarterback. They've got a nice committee of running backs. They've got a decent wide receiver core. They've got two high overpriced, overpaid tight ends, but at least Hunter Henry is having a decent year. But the defense is solid. Remember, they got rid of Stephon Gilmore. Is anybody missing Stephon Gilmore in New England, in Boston? Maybe. Brady and Belichick were both great. Remember last year, everybody's ripping on Belichick. Oh, you can't win. Give the guy a couple years to fix it. Tom Brady fell into a perfect situation with a great head coach with a ton of weapons. I mean, an absolute ton of weapons in Tampa Bay now let's see how the rest of this year plays out last year brady wins right now as of this moment november the 16th 2021 bill belichick is winning because right now people are looking at the patriots as one of the top three or four teams in the afc Maybe the Buccaneers are one of the top three or four in the NFC, but the NFC is such a mess right now, such an underachieving mess. When the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, are considered one of the top two teams in the conference, yeah, we got problems. After what we saw last year with basically the same crew, couple tweaks on the defense, yes. CD Lamb has emerged as one of the top if not top 5, top 10 wide receivers in the league. You still got Mike McCarthy though. I'm still not buying into the Cowboys. They're playing in one of the weakest if not the weakest divisions in football. A case could be made that that could be the AFC South, but let's see what happens this week, and we'll get to our picks here in a bit. Vikings and Chargers. I hate to see this with Justin Herbert because I really, really loved what I saw from him last year, and now he's taking a step back and now the chargers are struggling again and that seems to be their modus operandi year in and year out doesn't matter who the coach is they can't close the deal they look good for a couple weeks then they look terrible for a couple weeks and they play mediocre football The Minnesota Vikings go into Los Angeles and beat the Chargers 27-20. And again, Kirk Cousins, I don't know how I feel about him because I was one of those people early on, and the Conquistador was with me. He and I were both touting. We saw it early on. How the hell, and, and so did Mike Shanahan, by the way. How the hell do you play Robert Griffin, By the way, an abysmal football commentator. I heard him over the weekend doing a game. He's awful. He is awful. How do you you see the kind of talent in him that Kirk Cousins has? And that is why Mike Shanahan gets the respect, is he saw what the front office didn't see. And that is why he did The backup plan. That is why he drafted Kirk Cousins later on in that draft after management and the front office forced him to draft Robert Griffin in the top, what, he was a second pick? He was a top three pick. I think he was a second pick in that draft. Robert Griffin's in the booth right now. Kirk Cousins is still a productive NFL quarterback and will probably still be a productive NFL quarterback for the next four or five years. Winning quarterback? No, I did not say that. I did not say that. That's my issue with this game. But Kirk Cousins' numbers are always phenomenal, except when it comes to winning. Unbelievably efficient. You got to wonder about leadership. You got to wonder about winning. Real quick, some of the other games. The Eagles go on the road, knock off the Broncos, beat them down 30 to 13. Maybe the Eagles are coming together. Maybe Nick Siriani isn't the doofus we thought he was at the beginning of the year with some of the stupid things he said and did. Don't bury the Chiefs yet. And I think this is more, it's a combination. You knew the Chiefs were going to get better, but the Raiders have been through such a disaster this year. With the John Gruden situation, we'll talk about that in a minute. And the Henry Rugg situation, we'll get to that later as well. I think the Raiders have just, they're spent. They are spent. This team's going to go on a spiral Chiefs, 41-14, to just annihilate the Raiders in Vegas. So we'll have to talk about the Chiefs game coming up here. Big, big game with them and the Cowboys. Russell Wilson returns from the finger injury. Aaron Rodgers returns from his lies and deceit. Oh, I mean his COVID week off. Mr. Lateral Thinker. But Mr. Lateral Thinker won in bad weather. Not a lot of offense for either team. But the Packers defense showed up again. 17 nothing, Green Bay over Seattle. Aaron Jones got injured in that game. He'll be out a week or two. That should not affect the Packers, in my opinion, at all. A.J. Dillon will step right in. They'll be fine. Seattle will be fine eventually, but they might have buried themselves because of the Russell Wilson injury just a little too far, a little too deep with those games where Geno... Uh, Gino, <laughs> I almost said Gino Toretta, me being the Miami Hurricanes fan that I am. Similar players, both pretty much hot garbage. Gino Smith, of course, is who I meant. We'll see. I have a feeling Seattle bounces back this week. I think give give Russell Wilson a full another full week of practice, and now he finally gets to play in front of the home crowd. I think they'll be okay but they're i think they're too far back now i'm not counting them out but they are really far back in terms of trying to make a move to get in the playoffs not impossible though why because another crazy game monday night the 49ers decided to actually show up and play and and dave and i have been ripping Kyle Shanahan to shreds the last three or four weeks. Now he finally decides to show up and coach his team up and get them fired up and get them to play a real solid 60 minutes of football. 31 to 10. And that's two awful performances in a row from the genius. Sean McVay and his prized pupil or his coveted quarterback Matthew Stafford and then they brought in Von Miller and of course now they brought in OBJ how about that you bring in Odell Beckham Jr. and the team falls apart huh I don't think we've ever seen that before have we <laughs> This team is starting to remind me of the old LA Laker experiment, if you guys remember that, where they tried to bring in old all-stars, former great players like Carl Malone and Gary Payton and tried to, to make a super team out of them along, I believe, with Shaq and Kobe were still there. It didn't work. I think we're seeing the same thing with the LA Rams. You lose a guy like Robert Woods, unfortunately, in practice last Friday, tore up his knee, ACL, done for the year. He was Stafford's safety blanket along with Cooper Cup. Of course, Cooper Cup's the number one guy. But Robert Woods was a very valuable number two, and now they don't know who to go with. And I'm telling you, it's not going to be OBJ and his freaking ego. Can Jefferson, Van Jefferson, step up? Tyler Higby, the, the tight end, had an awful, awful game this past Monday night. So now my Super Bowl pick, the Rams, looking pretty shaky. But of course, again, everybody in the NFC, outside of the Packers and the Cowboys, look shaky right now. Tampa Bay lost. My Buccaneers lost to the Washington football team. 29-19. to 19. And this is early on Chase Young, the stud. Defensive end, the stud pass rusher that they got from Ohio State last year. Tears his ACL, he's out for the year. And the Buccaneers still couldn't beat the Washington football team. And I'm sorry, they are an underachieving, not the Bucs, although they're getting there. The Washington football team has a great coach who I love in Ron Rivera. Haneke looked like he could be a serviceable, decent quarterback last year played well in the playoffs against the Buccaneers. So when Ryan Fitzpatrick went down early, and by the way, where the heck is he? I thought he would have been back by now. So you've got Antonio Gibson. Okay, he's a decent running back. He's beaten up on the, the Buccaneers, scores a couple touchdowns. It's just not, uh, the Bucks can't do this year after year after year. They had this happen last year, but last year it was, they were all getting to know each other, all learning the system. Brady's getting acclimated to Evans and Godwin and Fournette You don't have that excuse anymore because that was the big offseason news. The Buccaneers brought every single starter back. There is no excuse now. You can't lose a game like this. I could understand losing to the Saints a few weeks back. Even though that was against Trevor Simeon because Winston went out with a knee injury. You can't do this. You cannot do this. You're coming off a bye week. You can't lose to the Washington football team. I don't care if it's a road game. We mentioned Dallas. Dallas destroyed the Falcons. The Falcons are pretenders. Dave's Miami Dolphins, I'll give them some props real quick. Last Thursday night, they beat up on the Ravens down in Miami, 22-10. That defense is getting healthy. It's getting better. Going to be interested to see what the Dolphins can put together the rest of the year because they are pretty much too far back. Again, another team that buried themselves in a deep, dark hole too early. But again, extra game this year. We'll see how that goes. The Lions and the Steelers played to a tie. By all accounts, I didn't get to see that game. I wouldn't want to see that game from what I've heard. Ben Roethlisberger had to bow out at the last second because of COVID. In Carolina, Sam Darnold, done for the year, pretty much, shoulder injury. They bring in Cam Newton. Cam Newton and P.J. Tucker combined to basically put a beat down on the Cardinals. Colt McCoy came back down to earth real quick, and I know other people have said that, so I'm not trying to take credit for that, but he had that one great start in relief of Kyler Murray, and then they decided let's let Kyler rest another week. Didn't work this time around. This time it was a disaster. Now Cam Newton is getting first team reps, and we'll see how that plays out. They're 5-5. Five and five. Again, the NFC is a hot mess. They get on a little bit of a run, they might be able to get in the playoffs. Finally, before we get to our picks, John Gruden is suing the NFL and Roger Goodell. Could see this coming a mile away. He feels like he was targeted, and I believe him and I agree with him. That doesn't condone what he said. That doesn't mean what he said was right, correct. But at some point, Big Brother, and in this case, Big Brother being the NFL, has got to have some kind of limitations on who they can pick on, who they can persecute, whose information they can share. Either share all of it or share none of it. So John Gruden might have a very a very, very extremely valid case here. And then we're finally seeing the end, looks like to me, the end of a career that had so much promise. And it's not because of injury, it's because of ego. It's because of greed. It's because of stupidity. Le'Veon Bell looks to be out the door in Baltimore. If he'd maybe not worried so much about his rap career and and not been such a hard-headed jerk when it came to negotiations with the Steelers, maybe he could have been a Hall of Famer, but he's going to go down just like Priest Holmes. One of those guys that had the, the two or three, four brilliant years, but couldn't ever sustain a Hall of Fame career. All right, pro picks for this week. Again, we're, we're taping early, so I've only got half of our panelists in. Four of the eight of us have got picks in. Colts at Bills, pretty easy. Everybody's taking the Bills. Um, Colts have, have battled back a little bit. Again, another team that buried themselves early. But after seeing how they played against Jacksonville last weekend, Jacksonville's getting better, especially defensively. but. The Bills are a lot better after their little stumble a couple weeks back. Packers at Vikings just talked about how Kirk Cousins is playing great, but that team still, even though they win games they shouldn't, they lose games that they shouldn't. This is a true test to see how good the Vikings are. And unfortunately, as much as I hate his stinking, rotten, filthy fucking guts, I will go with the lateral thinker. I will go with the Packers in Minnesota over the Vikings. Dolphins at Jets. Could be an upset special. But the Jets regressed again this past week. The Bills beat them up pretty bad. We talked about how good the Dolphins look. The defense is getting better. Even though I don't trust a warm weather team in cold weather, I will go with the Dolphins. Spread is three. I think that's about right. I could see the Dolphins pulling this out by a field goal. Here's one that's fun. Saints at Eagles. I've made no bones about the fact Sean Payton is one of my favorite coaches, if not my favorite, in the NFL. But I can't figure out why. Because his team's always underachieved. Now, a lot of the time it's because the referees suck and he gets screwed. And now it's injuries. This is I'm looking at this year for the Saints like I looked at last year with the Patriots. A transition year trying to figure out what to do when your Hall of Fame quarterback goes bye-bye Jameis winston getting hurt doesn't help but he wasn't looking like the answer i think bill belichick okay sorry again i get the two mixed up because they're my two favorite coaches i think sean payton is going to have to go back to the drawing board and maybe draft yet another quarterback the Jameis winston Taysom hill i don't know where ian book is From Notre Dame, I thought that was, you know, what, a fourth-round pick? And yet you go with Trevor Simeon, that tells you how much they think of Ian Book. Going in to play the Eagles, the Red Hot Eagles, again, we talked about them earlier, looking really sharp, really, Devonta Smith is starting to come on. Maybe this running back by committee thing they've got going on will work along with Jalen Hurts. Um, This is my upset pick for the week. It's not an upset by the odds. Philly's favored by a point and a half, but to me, it's an upset. I'm taking the Eagles over the Saints in Philly. The other three picks we got in so far all go with the safe pick. They go with New Orleans. Washington at the Panthers. I still think last week was a fluke for Washington. I don't think they're that good. The defense has been completely disappointing. Panthers look reinvigorated with Cam Newton. Everybody's taking the Panthers. 49ers at Jaguars. I put this on here again because the Jaguars are starting to look better. That offense is starting to stagnate, but the defense is playing better. I will be interested to see on a short week if the 49ers can can sustain that momentum. Or are they going to fall flat? Jaguars look really good. They lost, but they look pretty good against the Colts. I'll take the 49ers. It's a six and a half point spread, though. I would take the Jags if I was betting with the spread. We do straight up, though, so everybody but Aaron is taking the Niners. He's taking the Jags. Bengals at Raiders. Everybody's taking the Bengals. Again, I think the Raiders are shot. Too much stress. Too much drama for this year. Even though the Bengals have have played bad lately, they're coming off a bye week, rested, hopefully mentally ready. Cowboys at Chiefs. Huge, huge game. Huge game. Of the four picks that are in, I'm on an island. I can't believe this. Everybody else going with the Cowboys at Arrowhead, no way in hell. No way in hell. This is going to be a Mike McCarthy stumble game. Chiefs are on fire. Pat Mahomes is on fire, taking the Chiefs. Everybody else goes Cowboys. Cardinals at Seahawks. Who knows what the state of the Cardinals are right now. This is about the time of the year, three years in, where Cliff Kingsbury shits his pants. When does DeAndre Hopkins finally decide to start showing up? Help my fantasy team out, you idiot. Show up and play. Kyler Murray, show up and play. I think Russell Wilson bounces back. Seahawks win. Doug agrees with me. Aaron and Bill take the Arizona Cardinals. Finally, Steelers at Chargers. Ben Roethlisberger might miss another game i got to believe the Chargers are more talented. I've got to believe the Chargers in L.A. bounce back and win this one. Doug's taking the Steelers. Me, Bill, Aaron take the L.A. Chargers. College football coming up next, kids. I'll be right back. Now that we've let you in to Frenzy Club, here are three rules. One. You don't talk about Sports Frenzy 2.0. You listen to it. On Spotify, Anchor, Google, Apple, and all other major podcast hosts. Two. Two guys to a show. Kevin, Dave, the maestro and the conquistador. Three. One Sports Frenzy episode at a time. Until Saturday. When you get the weekend edition. Now get in there and let loose on some PC wuss bags, will ya? Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Sports Frenzy 2.0. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane, going it alone this week. Hopefully, the Conquistador will return next week. Can't guarantee it. Thanksgiving week, I don't know what kind of family stuff he's got going on, so... You might have to put up with me alone again. Deal with it. I love it. Nobody to tell me I'm wrong. Nobody to filter me. It's awesome. Now we move on to the NCAA landscape. Wow. Uh, Let me clean up some sports frenzy business here first before we move on to What's been going on? We've got coach firings, athletic director firings. Um, The college football playoff poll for the week just came out. Not a lot to talk about there. No changes, which still is bullshit because that means Cincinnati is still in that. They're not in the top four, so it's bullshit. Once we get to our picks, hopefully... We look at some of these games, maybe there will be some changes on the horizon. First and foremost, I had a really bad second segment last week, and I apologize. Uh, I screwed up a lot with the L.A. Chargers. I was mixing them up in their games, in their game, and and taking them and, and comparing them to the wrong team that they were not playing, that I thought they were playing, and just got the whole thing mixed up. So I apologize for that with the Chargers debacle last week. And then the most unforgivable sin of all. I could have saved this for when we talk about the Hurricanes here in a couple minutes, but I kept calling Tyler Van Dyke Kyle Van Dyke. That's not forgivable. As a fan of the Hurricanes, I should have been able to say my quarterback's name correctly. So it's Tyler Van Dyke, not Kyle Van Dyke. So I probably put the whammy on them this past week as they got beat by rival Florida State. I could kind of see that coming, even though the Hurricanes were on a nice little roll. Lots of news coming out of Hurricanes camp, though. As I mentioned, they lost to the Seminoles 31-28. to They're still going to have to win another game to be bowl eligible. They've got VaTech coming up this week. They've got a whole set of issues that we'll talk about here in a minute. The big news for the Miami Hurricanes is we we talked about this, Dave and I did, a few weeks back. I think Manny Diaz has underachieved as head coach so far in his tenure as the Hurricanes head football coach. I've made no bones about it. I was excited when they got him. When Mark Richt left, they kept Manny Diaz from moving up to the Northeast and taking a job up there. thought, great, they're keeping it in-house, they're keeping their defensive coordinator, who was a bona fide success, under Mark Richt. The failures of the program under Mark Richt were not Manny Diaz's fault. Now it's on his shoulders, and they have, again, underachieved. And it's amazing, again, something else that Dave and I have talked about over and over and over again on this show. New York Jets fans can relate to this. Chicago Bears fans can relate to this. Dozens and dozens of team fans can relate to this over the years, depending on the era. You bring in a guy who's supposed to be a defensive genius, as your head coach, and the defense falls apart. You bring in an offensive guru to mold your young quarterback to get your offense running like a well-oiled machine, and they fail miserably. I don't understand it. (laughs) I would understand the other side of the ball falling short. Then you could say, well, they hired the wrong coordinator. Still on them. Still their fault as the head coach. But it just never ceases to amaze me when an offensive guy comes in and takes over a team, and his offense sucks. It blows goats. Same thing with the defense. The Bears, of of course, I'm referring to Matt Nagy, the Jets. I'm referring to Rob Sala, and with the Hurricanes, of course, Manny Diaz. So, again, weeks ago, Manny Diaz came out and said he didn't feel like he was getting the support from the athletic department at Miami that he needed. Okay. Sounded to me like sour grapes. Sounded to me like somebody who's trying to blame his problems, his shortcomings, his inefficiencies on somebody else. Well, obviously, the University of Miami did not see it that way because they just cut ties with athletic director Blake James, who is out after eight years. So that tells me, at least for the immediate future, Manny Diaz wins. Manny Diaz is safe. We'll see how they respond this week at home against Virginia Tech. Now, here's the catch. Manny Diaz comes out, says what he said about the athletic department, now he got his way. You better be careful what you wish for. Because if they bring in a strong AD, a new strong AD, what's he going to do? They're not going to bring in or he or she. What, what are he or she going to do They're going to put you on notice, Manny. They're not bringing in an AD who's going to kiss your butt. That is absolutely the the wrong way to do things. Miami knows it. Any college program, any professional team knows it. You should never let the coach, the manager dictate who their boss is. Has it happened in the past? Of course it has. But usually if the coach is that smart, that good for that long, guess what? The owner or the AD eventually just lets that person run the program. They cut out the middleman. Sorry, Manny Diaz, you're not even freaking close. to being in the position to have that kind of power. You're not Nick Saban. You're not Bill Belichick. You're not Debo Swinney. So again, one last time, I will say it and say it very carefully and very clearly from Annie Diaz, you better be careful what you wish for, because the new AD is going to be looking to make a name for themselves. They don't want to fail. They don't want to be your puppet. They want to succeed. And unless you blow their socks off, you're going to be on notice. We mentioned Virginia Tech. They fired head coach Justin Fuente. Um, again, a very tough standard at vatech to live up to. And they've just been, they've been mediocre, much like the Hurricanes over the last five, six years. Um, Again, a once proud, once very, very successful football program. Fallen, I won't say on hard times, but mediocrity. So we'll see how appealing that job is. But Tech is looking for a new head coach. And, of course, now Washington, the Huskies are looking for a new head coach. Different situation, different circumstances altogether. Where Washington fired head coach Jimmy Lake. Jimmy Lake has been accused on multiple occasions of physically lashing out at players. And I'm going to be the devil's advocate again. That's what I do here on Sports Frenzy. I'm the guy that's going to side with the bad guys. I'm not saying I agree with what they did. I'm not saying I'm apologizing for what they did. I'm not going back to Bo Schembechler. All you old school Sports Frenzy fans remember that? Or Woody Hayes, sorry. Both of them. Pretty much had bad reputations. Of course, Woody Hayes was the one that actually lashed out at one of Bo Schembechler's players in a game, during a game. Football is a very emotional, violent sport. I just don't know where the society is going where... Okay, he shoves a guy. The coach or grabs a player by the face mask and everybody goes up in arms, all the snowflakes out there. The liberal media goes crazy and goes, oh my God, abuse, abuse, abuse. Fire him, fire him, fire him. Again, like we talked about in the past month here with John Gruden. Jimmy Lake's an African-American. Keep that in mind. You better be goddamn well sure you don't have any skeletons in your closet. I'm willing to forgive to a point. The media might not, cancel culture might not, trolls in their mommy's basements might not. I get it. I understand it to a point. I am willing to forgive, not forget, forgive. Everybody else that I just mentioned, the trolls, the media, cancel culture. You better be goddamn sure you've got your baggage all emptied out and cleaned up. Because I guarantee somebody, if I had the power and I'm trying to get the power, I'm working, through this podcast to get the power, I'd come after you. I'd come after you in a goddamn second because you're hypocritical bastards. You got guys on CNN masturbating in conference calls, yet they get to pop back up on CNN a month or two later and just give a token apology and say, oh, well, you know, it is what it is. Double standards. Hypocrisy. One last time. Be goddamn sure you've never done anything wrong. And if you say you haven't, you're a liar. You've said something. You've done something. You've thought something that makes you just as bad, if not worse, than the people like Jimmy Lake, like John Gruden, That you go out of your way to persecute. Because you have to, as the conquistador always says, fill your goddamn 24-hour news cycle. And now it goes to sports as well. ESPN, CBS. FS1, FS2. You gotta fill your sports cycle with controversy and tear people down. But the minute the mirror reflects back on you, you shy away. You run scurrying into the corners, the dark corners of the basements in your mom's house like rats. All right. Somehow Notre Dame is going to figure out a way to get into this college football playoff scenario with the way things are going. They beat Virginia 28-3. to They're just going to keep riding along, riding along. They've got a couple fairly easy games left. Georgia Tech, Stanford should be two more wins. All they need is a couple teams ahead of them to stumble, and I could see it happening. One of those teams that stumbled this past week was Oklahoma. You could see it coming. I didn't. I figured they could get by Baylor. They couldn't. Baylor beat them 27 to 14. So now all of a sudden Lincoln Riley is being wooed by LSU. Shocking. Shocking. Because now Oklahoma's pretty much stumbled their way out of the college football playoff. It would take a miracle for them to get in. Because now their resume, even though they both Notre Dame and Oklahoma both have one loss, Oklahoma's resume looks a little worse. Which is funny because Notre Dame gets credit for losing to Cincinnati, yet Cincinnati doesn't get credit for beating Notre Dame. Hmm. (sighs) Anyway, so now the rumors are Lincoln Riley is now the apple of LSU's eye. Now, Lincoln Riley, this is a tricky time for him because, remember, last year there were pro teams that were looking at him. Is he going to let the opportunity pass him by? Has his his resume took a hit now in terms of going to the NFL? Now does LSU become more attractive than Oklahoma? But Oklahoma's going into the SEC, so is it really? seems like a lateral move, but of course there's going to be more money involved. Let's keep an eye out on this one, kids. And of course, USC is still out there too. Another interesting head coaching move, UConn, of course, known for basketball, football team struggling. If I'm not mistaken, and I could be, I've already pointed out my flaws, my mistakes from last episode. I think UConn only reinstated their football program here over the last decade or so. I, I I don't think I'm thinking of UMass, am I? But they have decided to start spending some money, and they have brought in the quote-unquote big gun. It is what it is. Jim Mora Jr. Yes, I still call him Junior. I don't care. He is Jim Mora Jr. to me. He will come in to take over the UConn football program, trying to bring it up to a level of respectability. I think this is a great hire. Jim Mora Jr. has never been a fantastic coach in the pros at UCLA. UCLA seems to be the program where second tier pro coaches go to really destroy their careers. Ask Chip Kelly right now. This will be interesting to see if Jim Moore can just get UConn over the, the first hump, over the first group of obstacles to get the program up and running, he'll have done his job and he'll be worth the money. I don't think he's getting paid. You know, he's not getting paid, obviously, Swinney or saving money. I think he's getting a million and a half plus incentives. Not too shabby. I wouldn't turn it down. (sighs) A couple other games to look at from last week that kind of surprised and shocked. Uh, Mississippi State, we said the pirate, Mike Leach on the road, could not beat Auburn. And he did, 43-34. to Bo Nix, of course, goes out, done for the year for Auburn. So this season for them is looking like a wash. Texas A&M, again, Jimbo Fisher, one of the most overrated, if not the most overrated head coach relative to the money he's making in college football. Lane Kiffin shows up. Shows that maybe he's the real deal for Mississippi. Mississippi beats Texas A&M 29-19, although now I'm hearing A&M could have the greatest recruiting, recruiting class of the year. So if Jimbo stays, if he does turn down LSU, if he does turn down USC, he looks like he could be set for the future in terms of quality of players he's bringing in. But can he coach them up? That's the question. All right. Moving on to this week's picks. We got 13 this week. I'm not going to go over all of them. I've complained. I've whined. I've bitched. I've pissed. I've moaned and I've cried about how these guys bullied me. Bullied me into changing my standards in terms of what games I would put on our slate every week. So now everything has to be well within a 10-point point point spread. So, again, you're not going to hear some of the huge games of the week because the point spreads are bigger than 10. What I have to work with is what I'm going to give you right now. Still some good games, but some of these games are a little more obscure than what I would normally put on the slate. Interesting game on Saturday. Wake Forest playing Clemson. Wake Forest burned me last week. I just, I thought NC State had a little bit better defense and might be able to hold back Wake Forest enough. Wake ended up winning at home 45-42. to Now they're on the road at Clemson. Clemson quietly has dug themselves again. Another team put themselves in a deep, dark hole to begin the season. Clemson has quietly climbed out of that hole if they win this game, they will jump back into the top 25. And I think their defense is good enough to do it. They would be the team that can shut down this mighty, powerful Wake Forest offense. Now the question is, does their offense, Clemson's offense have enough to get through and put up enough points against a shoddy paper mache? Wake Forest defense. I am on an island. Again, only four of us have got picks in right now since we're doing this early this week. Bill and Aaron, take Wake Forest. I will take Clemson. I want to talk about this game. University of Texas-San Antonio. This is your Cinderella football team right now for the year. Technically, it's still Cincinnati, but... UTSA has gotten up to number 15 in the AP poll. Again, I don't acknowledge the college football playoff poll. At least I don't acknowledge it to the extent others do. UAB had a very impressive win last week. On the road against Marshall. That being said, something just tells me, even though this point spread has dropped a little bit, I'm still going to stick with UTSA at home. Everybody else does as well. Number 22, Louisiana at Liberty. Another couple of Cinderella teams. Now, Louisiana, formerly ULL, Louisiana Lafayette, They've been good here for the last number of years. Liberty is just finally starting to make a push. They have got a kid, a quarterback, who I'm hearing could end up being a first-round pick. They're home. I'll take Liberty, so will Bill. Doug and Aaron take Louisiana. Oregon at number 24, Utah. Number four, Oregon. Again, AP poll numbers, AP poll rankings. This is where what I was talking about earlier comes into play. This is where Notre Dame gets their help. And I'm not rooting for it, believe me. I know I live in the area. I'm not rooting for it. Who wants to see Notre Dame be a punching bag for Georgia or Alabama in the first round of the college football playoffs? I sure as hell don't. Again, I'd still rather see Cincinnati at least see them try. At least get give them a shot. But you watch. You watch. And I think this is the game that's gonna help Notre Dame out because number four, Oregon goes in, plays number 24, Utah. On the road, I'll take Utah. They've been good enough this year. I'm tired of saying this team has screwed me over in the picks. That team has screwed me over in the picks. Pretty much everybody, pro and college, has screwed me over in the picks. It's been such an inconsistent, bizarre year. I think it's time that Oregon screws somebody else over. The Pac-12 is weak again this year. I think Utah wins this game at home. Doug agrees with me. Aaron and Bill both take the Ducks. Finally, one last game I want to point out, because this could be really interesting when it comes to the Big 12. This is kind of like my upset special, even though I'm not picking it. Number 11, Baylor. Coming off that big win at home against Oklahoma goes on the road to play Kansas State. I'm taking Baylor. So are Bill, Doug, and Aaron. But this is one of those games where I will say, hold on. It will not shock me to see Kansas State win this game. The Big 12 has been like this all year. It's been an absolute mess. It's been a train wreck. It's been a fucking disaster. I guess Oklahoma State would right now be considered the best in the Big 12. I mean, you've got Iowa State playing at number 12, Oklahoma. Iowa State, again. They've screwed me over time and time again this year. Oklahoma screwed me over last week. I'll take Oklahoma in that one. But would it shock me if Iowa State wins? No. That's the way this college football season has been going, kids. So that being said, I'm going to wrap up segment two here. Segment three, we're going to catch up on everything else. We do have a little bit of hot stove going on in baseball. People are starting to get signed, although with the looming specter of a lockout, you wonder if we're really going to see massive, huge contracts. Although what Jose Berrios got from the Blue Jays is pretty big. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. Bear with us. We got a promo coming up. And I'll be right back with Segment 3. In the fortress of solitary justice, two brave men hold the fate of the sports world in their hands with the utterance of a single word. Frenzy! These seemingly ordinary men become the maestro and the conquistador. Destined to save the world from stupidity on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Apple, and all noble podcast hosts everywhere, Dave and Kev stand for truth, justice, and the Frenzy way. Hey everybody, welcome back. Third and final segment this week, Sports Frenzy 2.0. I'm the maestro Kevin Crane. Taping here on the 16th of November, 2021. This will hit the morning of the 18th. So please forgive me if I miss something in the sports world tomorrow. There's a little bit of lag here from what we would normally have to deal with. And of course, as always, we're available Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, anywhere you find your fine and wonderful podcasts that you listen to each and every week like us. All right, the hot stove starting to get a little warm, starting to get a little warm. You could probably still put your hand on it. It wouldn't get burned yet, but it would get uh, a little uncomfortable after 10 or 15 seconds. And no, I don't condone putting your hand on a hot stove. Jesus God, consider that your namby-pamby snowflake disclaimer for the week. There have been a couple big signings, which shocks me, surprises me. Pitchers, again, Dave and I talked a little bit about pitching last week, and what what can you really truly expect from a starting pitcher now going forward in this age of analytics? Well, obviously, we were wrong. We figured that maybe starting pitching would start to become devalued. I mentioned in the last segment as I was closing out, Jose Barrios, who the Blue Jays got from the Twins at a, deadla- a deadline deal trade. here in the past season, gets a seven-year, $131 million contract. Do the math, kids. That's almost $20 million a year. I guess that's not extravagant, but again, are these guys going to be pitching 200, 210 innings, or is it going to now drop to 150? I don't know a ton about Jose Barrios. Dave probably knows more than I do about him since he's a White Sox fan. Saw more of him as he pitched for the Twins. This doesn't seem like a bad deal to me. Again, under $20 million, you get locked him up for seven years. I do like what the Blue Jays have been doing here over the last couple years. This one kind of puzzles me actually i've got two that puzzle me but one is more of a long-term deal the detroit tigers maybe just because they were desperate to make a splash desperate to get some pitching in they take eduardo rodriguez away from the red sox who serviceable decent pitcher Five years seventy seven million dollars. So again, you do the math, a little over fifteen million a year. So right now we're looking at that fifteen to twenty million dollar range, which isn't exorbitant, which isn't crazy nutsy cuckoo. Again, this one kind of reeks of desperation to me from the Tigers. I, I just Eduardo Rodriguez doesn't strike me as a type of pitcher who's a difference maker on your staff. Maybe fans of Boston will disagree with me. To me, he's like a number three. At least Barrios with the Blue Jays is a number two. Then the Angels again, the Angels spending stupid ridiculous money as they always do they decide to go ahead and give noah cindergard yes noah cindergard thor formerly of the new york mets who really hasn't pitched in 2 years they give him a 1 year deal for 21 million dollars And, of course, this isn't the only Angels-Mets connection we've got here this week because the Mets also announced that they have finally found their new general manager, and it's Billy Epler, formerly the GM of the LA Angels. I I hate to judge on appearances, and I, I hate to judge on past history. But I'm going to. I get to do that along with Dave. This is our podcast. We get to say what we want. Did Billy Epler bring in Shohei Otani? Yes. Did he resign Mike Trout? Keep him with the Angels? Yes. Has the team won? despite those signings no was billy epler in charge i'm sorry the gm to me is pretty much the one in charge of the organization i know you've got vp of baseball operations and all that garbage but The whole Tyler Skaggs situation happened under Billy Epler's watch. So that's a big negative. And I would think the Mets would have been a little more careful with their GM search considering what's happened with their last two GMs, not counting Brody Van Wagenen. But you had one guy dismissed because of sexual misconduct. You had another guy dismissed because of driving while intoxicated. Now you bring in a guy who was part of a scandal involving drugs with the angels. A lot of people I've heard in baseball talking in New York, outside of New York, The Mets' job was not attractive. That's why they got turned down over and over and over again for interviews. Sorry, Mets fans. I think you are in for another long stretch of futility. Yeah, we'll see how that Francisco Lindor deal pans out. Oh, boy. That's flushing money down the toilet. At least as a Cubs fan, that's the one thing I can say. Yes, we've been there. We did it. We're still living through it with Jason Hayward. But there's also a reason why the Cubs did the fire sale that they did this past season. Especially when it came to somebody like Javi Baez, who the Mets traded for, and then they saw how that all went. at least we get out from under Jason Hayward in a couple years and we can start from scratch. You guys are stuck with Lindor for the next decade. All right. Awards are starting to come out this week. Rookies of the year, Jonathan India of the Reds in the national league. And of course in the American league, a no brainer. Because of the loophole where he didn't really play all that much at the end of the year last year, even though he was a a massive superstar as the Tampa Bay Rays advanced to the World Series. So now this year is when he qualified as a rookie. So, of course, Randy Rosarena, rookie of the year in the American League. The sad thing is for Tampa fans and for baseball fans is that Three or four years down the road, five years whenever he hits free agency or gets close, you know the Rays are going to dump him, trade him to the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Red Sox. It's just sad. Just sad. And then the other guy who won't be around to see this is the American League Manager of the Year. Again, Kevin Cash repeats. What we're seeing again is Joe Madden 2.0. How long is it going to be before somebody swoops in and takes Kevin Cash away from the Rays? How long is Kevin Cash going to put up with this? National League, another no-brainer, but a no-brainer because of what we saw this year on the field. But a shock if you would have said a year from now a year go back in time a year and if you said back then a year from now the NL manager of the year is going to be Gabe Kapler of the San Francisco Giants I would have bet my house on it and I would be homeless I'd be in a tent on a street somewhere in a dark alley Gabe Kapler somehow turned things around with a San Francisco team that did not have a lot of stars, won well over 100 games. Now you look at Joe Girardi in Philadelphia, where Kapler came from, and you wonder, maybe it's the players. Because Joe Girardi's doing the same thing Gabe Kapler did in Philadelphia, spinning his wheels with a 500 team. culture. Maybe San Francisco's culture is better in terms of baseball than Philadelphia's. One last baseball note before we move on. Uh, The Cleveland Guardians PC crap have settled their roller derby lawsuit. So both the roller derby team in Cleveland and the baseball team will get to be called the guardians yippy freaking skippy one note in racing of course now we're in the off season got a couple months to go before we really are going to start getting into talking about racing more again but little interesting tidbit chip ganassi confirmed that he will carry a fifth car at the indy 500 in 2022 for drum roll wait for it worst kept secret in racing jimmy johnson wow couldn't see that one coming quick nba news of course season has just recently started My Magic suck. Like with the Hurricanes, I get to talk a little bit more about my teams than I would normally. And I don't have to talk about hockey this week. Sorry, Dave, not going to do it. Magic are awful. 3 and 11. I know they're young, but boy, this is bad. Only the Pelicans and the Rockets have a worse record. Houston, I can understand Of course, that whole James Harden debacle where he basically destroyed, gutted their team. I love how all of a sudden he's okay now. Nobody talks about him as being a bad guy. He destroyed a franchise. Shame on him. I root against the Nets each and every night that they play because of him and because of Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant's a mercenary, but hey, if LeBron James can do it, why can't Durant? But specifically, Harden and Kyrie Irving. Those two I root against. Because it's not, Kevin Durant didn't destroy a franchise. Kevin Durant just took the opportunity to move from one team to another when he could. James Harden forced his way out of the Rockets organization by being a cancer. Kyrie Irving did the same thing with the Celtics, and now he's a cancer with the Nets. Out West, everything's kind of falling into place the way I would expect early on. A little surprised at how well the Mavericks are playing. Um, but outside of that nothing really shocking out there. The East is really surprising me though. The Bucks the defending champion Bucks are six and eight. The Atlanta Hawks who made a great run through the playoffs last year are six and nine. You got the Washington Wizards at 10 and three. And the Cleveland Cavaliers at 9 and 6? I real I had to refresh my screen as I was doing my research to get ready for the podcast. To, to make sure I had those numbers correct. I would have expected the Cavaliers to be down with the magic. And the Wizards not to be much better. Hmm. Hmm. With the Wizards, it's just surprising isn't it that you get rid of russell westbrook and you get better hmm surprising shocking some tv news that i missed last week didn't get to talk about it Uh, i'll bring it up here this week real quick espn classic is shutting down at the end of 2021 of course we already knew that uh nbc sports network was shutting down so we are losing granted espn classic especially is a fringe network for sports but still i don't know if i like this with cable prices with streaming prices keep they keep going up NBC trying to force things onto Peacock. CBS trying to force things onto Paramount+. Plus. I don't know how much I like it. As we subtly see the rat pulling ESPN Classic off the air. And we see NBC Universal, Comcast pulling NBCSN off the air. Let's hope that this is it. Of course, Al Michaels supposedly done this year with the Sunday night football broadcast on NBC. There were a lot of people who thought he was going to retire. He was going to be done. He's been doing this for a long time, but he still does this better than almost anybody. I still think I take Joe Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, number one, but Collinsworth and Michaels would be number two. Uh, Nansen Romo would be about number 78. On my list, my disdain for Tony Romo grows each and every day. But Al Michaels now, with Amazon jumping more into the fray with NFL, now that that Thursday night game looks like it's going to become an Amazon exclusive, rumors are Al Michaels will be the guy they will pull in to do those games. So take that for what it's worth. I love Amazon, but at the same time, I'm not a sycophant. They are flawed. They have issues. I'm not big on monopolies. And I don't like the fact that you're going to take a game and put it exclusively, as we've seen in the past with ESPN, of course, taking college football championship games basically making them pay-per-view because you have to pay to get ESPN. Now you're going to have to pay for Prime to get Thursday night football games from the NFL. I'm not a fan. We all knew this was coming, though. I'm just reporting the news. So it's that time, kids, the time where I have to go (sighs) sad and then mad. We have our moments of silence for sports. And then, of course, we will do our pivot, our 180, and get into our red form and dumbasses of the week. Real quick, three moments of silence in sports, and I'm not going to delve deep into them because... I honestly don't know a lot about them other than the fact that they made an impact either way, way back in the past before I watched sports, or they really didn't make that much of an impact. And I'm not trying to diminish anything or denigrate anybody. Julio Lugo passed away in his mid forties, very young. Uh, I think he was part of the one of the Red Sox championship teams here recently. Sam Huff, Hall of Fame, NFL linebacker. The most intriguing one of the three for me this week is Bob Bondurant. I've been a racing fan for a long time. I've, again, the conquistador would kick my ass when it comes to racing and racing knowledge. Um, but I would think, you know, taking him out of the picture, I'm a pretty diehard racing fan, maybe not IndyCar, but definitely NASCAR last 30 years. I have, I have not missed that many races. I would say in 30 years, I might've missed 10 races. I've seen all or part of all but ten races. I would gam I would gamble on that and say that's pretty accurate. And of course, I've I've tried to do research on racing from the past. And Bob Bondurant passed away, and he is a legend going back into the early days of racing. Of course, I watched Ford versus Ferrari here a couple years ago. Phenomenal movie and a little research i got got in on bob bondurant is that he did run for carol shelby not portrayed by matt damon in ford versus ferrari so i'm very intrigued by that era of racing so to see that he passed away um Makes me want to look back a little bit more at the, the history of racing and to maybe dig a little deeper into what some of these guys did to create to me at least and of course to Dave, if he was here, I think I'm speaking for him, but I think I'm I'm doing a good job of it in in that we respect, we admire, and we're curious about the history of racing so bob bond around is somebody i might have to look into and do some more uh, reading and research on now of course it's time for the idiots now of course it's time for the morons now of course it's time for the red foreman dumbasses of the week a tradition we have had on sports frenzy going all the way back to our days cable access, YouTube. If you've never heard me say it before, we're not a fluke. We're not a a Johnny come lately. We're not a flash in the pan. Sports frenzy has been alive and kicking since the early 90s. We're going on almost 30 years of this. So some of these things we do are tradition. In the Red Foreman Dumbasses of the Week is one of our, if not our greatest tradition. Adam Abdul Jabbar. Yes, Kareem Abdul Jabbar's son. Pictures make him look like he's an arrogant, entitled asshole. And of course, since he's Kareem Abdul Jabbar's son, and I'm sure this happened in California, again, I'm sorry. Don't have it in my notes. Stabs his neighbor in a dispute over trash cans. Repeatedly stabs his neighbor to the point where he's stabbing him in the head. Almost killed him. Six months in jail, but. Sentencing got pushed back so they could review the case and maybe sentence him to just home confinement for those six months and not even go to jail at all. You tell me how much this world sucks. You tell me how much this world sucks. Again, pampered, spoiled brat son of a celebrity almost gets away with murder if he gets to sit at home for six months for stabbing a guy repeatedly including in the head and that's the entirety of his punishment you tell me why I'm supposed to feel good about this world speaking of which Another situation where lawyers are involved, never good, never fun, never nice, never going to make you feel good about life if lawyers are involved. We talked about Henry Ruggs. We talked about the ridiculously pathetic, nasty, evil, in my opinion, that he perpetrated getting behind the wheel of a sports car, driving over 150 miles an hour in a residential area in Las Vegas killing a woman and her dog, injuring the girlfriend he had with him in his car. Intoxicated, of course. His lawyers, sorry, I am not trying to make a generalization, but it always seems like you have to in this case. His lawyers are trying to get him a lighter sentence. By saying the firefighters were slow to respond to putting out the explosion and the fire that he caused when he rear-ended this woman and her dog in their car at over 150 miles an hour. So now it's the firefighters' fault. They didn't respond quick enough because they could have, what, saved this woman's life? Everything I've heard, this was horrific. And you're going to now blame the firefighter? What, were they supposed to be right there waiting at the scene to put out the fire? Everybody has a right to a fair trial and representation. This disgusts me. Again, the legal system rears its ugly head. We've told you on this show over and over again, Mike Krzyzewski is not the guy you think he is. Mike Krzyzewski is another, all these big-time coaches, football, basketball, they have dark sides because that's how they got to where they are. There is part of them that is evil. There is part of them that is selfish. There is part of them that is greedy. Some of them can contain it to the point where they don't come off as ridiculously bad and evil. But then you have your Joe Paternos of the world. And now you've got Mike Krzyzewski. We've seen how his players have behaved on the court over the last decade, getting worse and worse. Now his grandson who plays for him, Michael Savarino, and a star freshman player on the Duke team, Paolo Banchero, were both arrested for DWI this past weekend. How do they both get arrested? Because... Banchero my my understanding is Banchero was so drunk he couldn't drive so Severino was less drunk so he gave the keys to Severino and let him drive the stupidity of these arrogant assholes in sports these arrogant celebrities will never cease to amaze me finally We'll take a little bit lighter note, although people were still injured here, and it's still a dangerous situation. Grant's Pass downs an Oregon horse racing track. The light timer shut down at night in the middle of a horse race. Two jockeys were injured. If you haven't seen the video, check it out. Look it up. Find it on YouTube or Google it. It's scary. It's it, Initially, you, you kind of feel bad. You laugh. But when you realize two jockeys were thrown from the horses because the lights went out completely, somebody should have gotten fired for that one. I'm not getting fired. Dave's not getting fired. It's our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. I do. As a solo act. We will check you out next week. Have a great week, kids.